Yeah. Fanatic is a strong word, but it's the right. I love it. It's the word that described the people that were super successful at transforming their organization. You're listening to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast with professional speaker, coach, and consultant, Nicole Greer. Welcome, everybody, to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. My name is Nicole Greer, and they call me the Vibrant Coach. And I am here with a special guest, Ed Michrell. He has more than 40 years of experience as a nonprofit leader. He has served as a probation officer, a child care director, senior citizen center director, teen director, youth employment director, community center director, trainer, planner, project manager, professor, and author. And we're going to talk about his book today. At the Boys and Girls Clubs of America, Ed led the creation of the Spillette Leadership University and the Advanced Leadership Program. The impact of this program was documented in an article published in McKinsey Quarterly entitled Putting a Value on Training. As the Chief Strategy Officer at the Boys and Girls Club of America, he led the development and deployment of their strategic and operating plans. His first book, The Five Truths for Transformational Leaders, was published by Wiley & Sons in May of 2023. And hey, it's only June 2023, and we've got it hot off the presses. Hot off the press. Yeah, so thanks for being here, Ed. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Nicole. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Yeah. So so I have a question. I'm collecting definitions of leadership. What's your definition of leadership? You know, that sounds like a like an, like an easy question. When I started to make notes about it, when I got to the halfway through the second page, I realized you probably didn't want that long of a definition of it. But basically it comes down to what what I, the essence of it is being able to establish a goal or a vision organize people and get them cleared on on what you're trying to accomplish and how you're going to try and accomplish and then influencing them to to work to work together to uh, to achieve the goal that sounds sounds simple but there's so many things involved in that that make it complicated yeah and I, I gotta tell you everybody you need to go to his website his website is leadership truths.org and when you go there there'll be a video on there so like if you enjoy this podcast immediately following what you got to do is go watch this video and he talks about his five truths for transformational leaders and what I'd love to do is work through those five truths I think that we could really give people some great information they can put to work so uh, I love I love this first truth because it has this word in it fanatical which is just such a fun punch Words. So tell me about the first truth. So the in, in preparing to write the book, I identified a number of organizations that I that you know I felt the leader had led a transformation. So I defined that as that they had more than doubled their operating budget in a five-year period. And when I interviewed I interviewed the CEO a few different times. I interviewed board members, I interviewed staff, and I interviewed some of the people that uh, supported the organization. And when they just des- when they described the CEO, that was the word that several people used. That they were they were fanatical about the mission. That the like they, they wore it every every day when they came they came came to work. And in talking about it with them, there's like three things that that empowers a leader leader to do. So first one is that when you you know, when you're fanatical about something, when you believe strongly in something, other people want to be a part of that. 
They, you know, and so in today's world, people want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. They're looking for those opportunities. And so when they meet a leader who's fanatical about a mission, you know, they want to be part of that. The second is it enables them to make their tough yes-no calls uh, about people, about budget, about how they put resources. When you think about those individually, they're hard to make. But when you think about like, this is about our mission. It's not about whether... Um, you know, how I feel about this person or how I feel about this project. We need to do what's most important. And then the third thing is that it enables you to set very high standards for how you're, how you're going to, going, going to work. And it carries, it carries you through, you know, because people, people are all bought into that and working together to, uh, to achieve that, that mission. Yeah. So fanatic and, is a strong word, but it's the right, I love it. It's the word that described the people that were super successful at, transforming their organization. Yeah, I mean, and the word fan is right in there. We're not talking about something circular with a blade. Uh, What we're talking about is like, you know, the leader runs around and starts creating fans of this idea, fans of this mission, right? And um, in your video that uh, everybody's going to go watch immediately following this, it says... Uh, you know, you had you had the people in the room in your workshop or in your program. Uh, they were going to talk about what they were passionate about, which is their mission. And you talked about how when people talk about mission, passion comes out and the energy goes through the roof. Yeah, yeah. Just want to ask when when you do that in a workshop, you say just you know turn to your neighbor and tell them why you believe in your mission of your organization. The energy, the noise in the room level goes like up immediately. That's right. Uh, and, and people get people get excited. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. And and I think that this is um, really important in terms of you've worked in nonprofits your whole life and uh, being with the Boys and Girls Club of America. I mean, like, uh, uh, would you just share for a moment, like, you know, what was your mission and, and why were you so passionate about it? How did you get people to decide to mentor, you know, all these young, young women and young men. Yeah. You know, I, so that's a, there's, there's, there's a long story there that how, how I got there, but basically I think when I got out of college, I was unsure what I wanted to do. And, um, I took a job as a probation officer, primarily working with younger, younger offenders. Uh, and I didn't felt like that was not my, where I wanted to be, but I, I, but I saw the opportunity to make a difference with kids and wanted to work in a nonprofit where kids came in and there was a chance to, to make a difference. Um, you know, I think everybody has, everybody that works in a nonprofit that's in a mission driven organization has their own origin story. Like a lot of times, you know, maybe they were impacted by the, by the nonprofit or their parents or the grandparents or an aunt or uncle, somebody important to them worked there. And so in my case, it was, it was my dad, my dad, you know, he grew up or uh, he ran, he left home at 14, He joined the military at 15 during World War II, he changed his birth certificate from seven to five. Uh, and then he, he, he went to college after World War II and became a teacher and, and, and he always, he always connected with the kids that were in trouble. And he had throughout his whole life, people that he'd been a teacher of 15, 20 years ago, called him for advice. And so I, I didn't, I didn't really know that was in me that much until I started working there, but I felt like I really wanted to be part of something that was a bigger mission than, than, than me and that contributes to the, 
to, to making the world a better place or communities a better place. I, I believe like nonprofits make a difference in, for people. They make a difference for their community, for the cities that they're in, and ultimately for, for our country. It's like, you know, the, the idea of helping everybody to succeed, you know, makes the country stronger in the, in the end. And, the, and, and that's, you know, that's kind of what kept me motivated all for 40 years and still, still going. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right. So the, the first one, repeat for us what the first truth is, just so if we didn't get it written down, we've got it. What's our sure. first truth? Be fanatical about your mission. Yeah. Yeah. You got to wear your t-shirt every day. So people yeah, know what you're it. trying to do, right? That's okay. It. All right. That's fantastic. We love that. Okay. So what is the second truth? So it's the second truth is fix, stabilize, and replace systems, policies, practices, procedures, people that aren't that aren't working. So what happened when I interviewed people was that when they got to the organization, they became the CEO. Basically, I asked them to tell me the story of how you got hired, what you did the first week, what you did the first month. And they all talked about when they got there, the organization wasn't real organized. And they and they were spending a lot of time solving problems every day, you know, that they've been, and so they kind of just almost felt like they were standing in the middle of the room and people would come in with a problem, they'd give them an answer. And what they realized is that there was no set way to handle a lot of routine tasks. Uh, and so that before they could move on, they needed to like, you know, have set practices, have set policies about how things were, how things were going to be, be handled. Because you can't really move forward if you're spending all day fixing things is kind of the, the theme for that. And that went for people too. Uh, almost every, everybody I interviewed made changes in people in the first, in the first month or two, they were there. One person said they fired two people on their first day. I said, I bet you everybody came to work on time the next day there that after, after that. So, but they, you know, they were, they realized they had to like get things organized, get the right people before they were able to, before they were able to move forward. Yeah. So it's like, you know, get the right people on the bus thing. It's, it's yeah, very it's, true it's exactly what Collins says in, uh, in good to great is like, you have to get the right people on the bus and in the right seats. And, um, that, that you know, often meant making changes right away. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you go in, uh, the, the thing is, is that oftentimes like people, you know, you said they're like, they were showing up on time and you might think, well, that's a little, that's a little quick, you know, but uh, I, I think the thing that you got to understand is, you know, what, what is this leader after? They're, they're really at the, after the highest and best experience right. for the overall organization, you right. know? Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's so important. And that fanatic belief and mission drives that, they, you know, they have to you know, stay true to that. Right. And it could have been these two people are like, I don't believe in that mission. Oh, well, then that's not going to work here. It's not going to work out. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. And I think what you're saying about policy and procedure um, processes, we don't have ways to solve these problems. Um, I think that, you know, putting a, a solid standard operating practices, getting yeah. the employee manual up to date, you know, you know, making sure job descriptions are correct, getting all of kind of the structure in place. It gives people something to stand on a foundation yeah. so they can they can start reaching that that mission. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot of the people that I, almost everybody I interviewed when they thought about that time in their career, their first year or so there when they were fixing a lot of things, they said it was in some ways it was the most fun they ever had as a leader. 
because they could see progress every day. Later on, as they started to take on bigger goals and more far-reaching initiatives, it was a little harder to see at the end of the day what progress you're making because it's, it's over a longer period of time. But when you're fixing things and you're putting a policy into place, like the end of the day, oh, well, we don't have to deal with that anymore. We can go on to this. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think a lot of leaders, um, you know, they, they get even more fanatical when they feel the change, they see yep. the change, right. It boosts yep. their energy as well. Absolutely. All right. So our, our third, our third truth, what's the third truth everybody needs to understand. So the third truth is establish a, a mission driven strategy. So you know, most mission statements have, have three parts to them. They have, who you're going to serve, who you're going to influence, impact, what difference you're going to make, and how you're going to make that. But they're, you know, they're encapsulated in a, in a, in a sentence. So, Boys and Girls Club's mission is we're going to enable young people, especially those who need us most, to become responsible citizens and leaders. Well, that's, you know, that's that's great, and people can believe it, believe that. But everybody's going to interpret that their own way. Like, what is, you know, what is a, a responsible citizen leaders? How are we going to serve? How are we going to reach the kids that need it most? most? So the leader needs to work together with the staff. And this is why getting the right team is important because it becomes not just the leader, but the, the team and the board and the staff working together to really def- define all those. Who are we really going to serve? What does that, what does that mean? How are we going to, how are we going to reach kids who need us, need us most? Uh, what outcomes are we really going to achieve? So if you're a responsible citizen and leader, what does that look like for a nine-year-old? What are you trying to do that's going to have, you know, lead them to that some point when they're 18, 18 or 19 years old? And to be really clear on what those outcomes, outcomes are and how you're, gonna, how you're going to achieve them. One of the organizations that I interviewed as an example, like they, 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 were, gonna, they were an after-school program and um, they wanted to reach kid, kids, kids that were in disadvantaged circumstances. So they agreed they would only work in in schools that were Title IX schools. So that meant that half the kids were below poverty level. So that was a way of them reaching the population that they most wanted to to reach. It didn't mean that it wasn't important to have services for kids in another community, but their focus was on on on, on kids that were were, were low income. Uh, and that and then you know with that, then you need uh, to build an organization that's capable of doing that. So that means, you know, it means you have to have the right people. Uh, and then ultimately for a nonprofit, you have to figure out some way that you're going to drive resources to that, to, to support that mission. You can have the greatest mission in the world, but if you can't convince people it's important enough to uh, to support, then you're, then you're in trouble. So those are, those are going to become the three parts to your, to your strategy. And, you know, the interesting thing is, is go along with each of these, the role of the leader has to, it evolves and changes. So some people were really, really great at solving problems. They said that was the most fun. Um, you know, when there's no problems to solve, now I got to think more long term, more strategic. How are we going to, how are we going to achieve our mission? And so that meant that I had to spend my time a little bit, a little bit, di- a little bit differently than I was. And and all of them talked about like there's a challenge to that. They you know the you get very comfortable being a certain leading in a certain way and you have success. And now I have to change, change course a little bit and focus on something different. Okay. All right. So share with us again, uh, the third truth, just so in case we want to make sure we've got our notes correct. 
Yeah, establish a, a mission-driven strategy. This okay. is how we're gonna. This is how we're gonna achieve our mission. This is what we're gonna actually accomplish. Yeah. So when teams come together to do this, um, what might a day of of planning and strategy look like? How might you? How might a team get together and make that happen? So it's not. It's you know. It's not a strategic plan. It's sort of you have to have your strategy before. You start to create a strategic plan. Strategic plan. I, I don't know that it hap, You know, it happens like that so much as uh, it's something that you work on every single day. Um, that people talk about the you know having a your learning organization. Well, for for a nonprofit, that means you have to be good at measuring the uh, your outcomes. Are we are, are we achieving the outcomes we want to have? And what are we learning about how to be successful in that? So that you, if you start off with sort of an initial strategy about here's how we're going to achieve our mission, but as you, as you go forward, you're going to you discover if we do this, we'll get a little better result. If we do that, we're going to get we'll get we'll get even more. So it's the discipline is is measuring what you're doing, looking at that data uh, with your eyes wide open. You know, so data always tells you some good things and some things that. Some things that are opportunities to get to get better, and and figure out what does this mean? How do how do we put this back into our practice and get and get better tomorrow than we were we were today or yesterday? Fantastic. All right. So, what is our fourth truth for transformation? So, execution drives results. So, you can have the greatest strategy in the world, right? Well, I've got it figured out, mm-hmm. but if I don't uh, execute on that, and uh, in some ways, this is really hard. Um, so it re- it requires relentless communication on the part of the leader. There's uh, in the in the workshop I talk about this. Some research that shows that uh, you have to repeat something 14 times before people begin to internalize it. Well, it's hard to repeat something 14 times. You get tired of hearing yourself saying it, and you have to repeat it to lots of different people for 14 times. So you know, execution means you're going to be relentless about it. It also means that you have to pick the one or two things that are most important right now that are going to move the organization ahead. I would say from my own experience, when I first became uh, like a middle manager, when I was at Boys and Girls Clubs of America as a vice president position, I was like, oh, good, I'm a manager and I can fix everything. I took And I took on about 10 projects. Well, when you take on 10 things, you can't focus on any of them enough to, to make a difference. Um, so the real challenge for the leader is like, what are the, you know, no more than three, two is even better. One, or, you know, one, two, three big goals that we want to work on that's going to make us stronger. And when we achieve those, then we set the next, the next two. But if you take on eight or nine at once, you probably don't achieve any of them because you can't give any of them enough attention. And nobody can remember what they are. I have two goals that we're going to work on. This is what was the most important thing for this next year are these two goals. Everybody will know what they are and work on them. If you have eight, you'll have to look them up every time. Yeah. And then I'm just going to go back to what you talked about earlier about resources. I mean, how are you going to resource all 10 of those programs? That's, that's a good question. That's a good point. Yeah. You, you can't, you have, you have to figure out based on your resources, what can we do? What's the most important important thing that we we can do this year that's going to make us stronger, make us better at, at achieving our mission? 
Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious if I could put you on the spot. You know, okay. what what what's a what's a strategy that you executed on uh, that was part of your mission where you really made a big difference and you kept saying, "Well, this is what <sighs> we're doing. This is how we're going to make it happen." How did you make a little little impact or a giant impact on the Boys and Girls Club? So I think of a couple of them. So it's one that I'm I'm really proud of that has to do with leadership. Is that there was a point where we, as an organization, decided that the most important thing that we could do is to to make our all of our clubs stronger. We have there's five thousand clubs across the country, so there's a lot of lot of people. They're all their own five hundred one c three organization. Um, you know, our role at Boys and Girls Club of America was to provide services to them. So we we made this decision that the most important thing we could do would be to really develop executive leadership, and we. Um, set out to create world-class. That was the goal that, that was going to be the, the best program ever, make a big difference. It would be transformational. And I won't go through the whole whole process. We ended up, we worked with um, Noel Tishy from University of Michigan, who's a, written lots of books about leadership. And he became sort of really personally invested in in us doing this, which was was cool. And so we started that program like probably 12, 13 years ago. It's still going on today. I'm still part of the, the faculty. Uh, I think they've done, we've done over a hundred programs. This is a 10 day program over, over, six, over six months. So it's very intense. You come together four days, you define a project that you're going to stay with and you come back three days in a few months and then three more days. And uh, it was transformational. That's the program in my introduction you talked about was evaluated by McKinsey and Company. Um, and there were, you know, the organizations that went through it initially in a comparison group that didn't, you know, did significantly better. They raised more money. They served more kids. The kids came more often. All the things that were, were, were important. And the fact that that's still uh, a core part of Boys and Girls Clubs of America Service is something that, that I'm, I'm proud of. So. That's but I didn't go on too long there. Oh, no, of course not. No, yeah, we want okay. to hear about that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what I heard you say is in that leadership development program, they were learning about leadership. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they applied it to an actual project that yeah. um, helped them increase their effectiveness, right? Yeah. And their ability to execute, which is yeah. One of your truths. Yeah. That's fantastic. All right. Yeah, we Cheryl- applied every, they applied everything in real time to their project. Um, and then, um, you know, throughout the the five or six months they're in the program, the project was the, was front and center. We, you know, we, we did calls with the team between meetings to get the coaching and ask about the project. And, um, and when they came back, they got advice from the other teams about the project. So it was, it was, it was good. It was cool. Yeah, I bet. And congratulations on that. Yeah. Still cooking. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So you know it works if they're still cooking it. All right. Um, so share with us the next truth. Which number okay. is this and the truth? Number five. This is the last one. Okay. So, and everybody said this is the hardest thing. And okay. it's to continue to grow as a leader. And in this case, the people that I was, the organizations I was looking at, grew significantly, doubling your budget in five years. And some actually tripled, quadrupled one, I don't know if quintuples is a word, that five five times their they grew five times their budget in five in five years. Um so they had a very different organization at the end of that time. And as the organization grew, 
the what was needed by the leader changed. And not everybody was able to change enough with it. A couple of people, have, you know, left, have left. They were there for five years, but they left a couple of years after that. Uh, and they, you know, some of them were really good at growing the organization, but when it grew to a certain point, um, the, you know, the leader had to like build, you know, focus more on developing people, develop, building a team, being the person that was out in the community representing the organization, not so much hands-on day to day as they were, as they were in the beginning. And they all said like, this was, this was really hard. Most of them got help from board members. Uh, to do this, like there was board members that came and said, you know, you're, you're in order for you to continue to be the leader we need, you're, you're going to have to, to grow and, and look at things a little differently, spend your time differently to, to be that leader. So I think the, the, you know, the point is like today, in today's world, you know, if you, everything changes very rapidly and you, you have to be, have your ear to the ground and what's, what's going on and, how that's going to impact your organization, your field, as well as looking at, you know, the opportunities the organization has. And then as the organization grows, it demands something different from the, from the, from the leader. Um, so you're, you're never, you never get there. You know, people are like, well, if I want to get here. Well, when you get there, when you get here, there's going to be somewhere else. And so you have to keep, putting that out there and saying, right, what are, what do I need? What do I need to do? And what do I need to grow? Uh, so in the, in the book, I talk a lot about, I talk about some of my own experiences there because I've gotten stuck a few times as a leader and need to get, needed to get unstuck. And the, the importance of leaders being able to look in the mirror every day and say, you know, what happened yesterday that could have, that could have done better. What, 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 I watched so-and-so do this. They did it great. How can I, how can I bring that into who I am as a leader? What do I need to learn? And a big part of that looking in the mirror is getting people around you that know you to work with you, to give you, to give you feedback that, you know, that's, there's, there's only so much we can, we can, we see certain things about ourselves, but there's blind spots. Everybody has blind spots and you're only going to discover them if, you develop a trusting enough relationship and and set up a process for doing that. Part of what we do in the you know, the advanced leadership program that I talked about is different opportunities to give feedback to get you know a little bit more intense each 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 time they come. And you know that's people people feel like it's going to be harder, but it's like a breakthrough. You know, like I'm sure you that's I know from reading the material that you sent that that's a core part of your your work as as well. Yeah. You know, I, I think of the thing about blind spots is, you know, as long as you have, you know, the ability to park your ego over to the side for a second yeah. and you can say, what are my blind spots? Because hello, everybody's got one. It's not yeah. like you're the only one in the room with a yeah, blind spot. I'd be lucky to have one. <laughs> yeah, there could be 20. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but, uh, but the thing is, is that, you know, like we just really got to let go of ego and, you know, invite yeah. people in to give us that feedback. And I love what you just said, though. You said, you know, if you could address that blind spot, it's probably something that's frustrating you, holding you back, but you, you can't see it. Yeah. 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 So, so important. And it frustrates people around you too. I mean, I mean, because they, they see it, um, you know, it's, it's hard to go into your boss and say, 
you know, if you stopped doing this and did more of this, it'd be, be really helpful to us. So you have to, you know, really invite people in a way that makes them feel comfortable and uh, safe doing that. You, you know, not everybody reacts well to that uh, all the time. Most people do. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, a, what this is making me think about is there's a great book by Marshall Goldsmith, who's like a uh, world. Yeah. You know him. Yeah. And so he's like a world renowned coach and uh, he has a little thing he calls feed forward. So instead of getting feedback, uh, he calls it feed forward. And so he's like, you know, leaders, you know, think about something that you want to change about yourself. You know, you you probably have blind spots, but you probably also have some kind of awareness. Like, why do I do that? You know, yeah, and, I know. Well, what is wrong with me? You know, <laughs> and uh, and so if you could go to your team and you'd say, listen, I know I do this thing. You know, I know it's a thing and I would like your help to correct it, you know, and so you you mm-hmm. go to them, then you do feed forward. And uh, and there's a whole if you go out to Marshall Goldsmith's website, he's uh, he gives all of his material away for free. He's all his resources except for his books, uh, but mm-hmm. he's got tons of resources. And so look at look up feed forward. But mm-hmm. once you do that. Um, then you start to create that trust you're talking about where people don't think there's going to be some yeah. kind of retribution for going, we wish you'd stop that thing. Yeah, yeah in the book, I, 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 mean, I talk about my, some of my own examples of growth. And, I, would, um, I want to hear one. Tell us one. Okay, so, um, you know, w- when we started the Advanced Leadership Program, you know, we went, th- uh, the people on our staff that were going to lead the program went through the program the first. And, and well, Noel and, his associate ran the program. And, uh, you know, so one of mine was that I was really good at getting stuff done. I was a great manager. If you gave me a task, I'd, you know, I'd get it organized. I'd figure out how to do it. Everybody would be clear on what they needed to do. And that. But everything kind of ran through me, you know, so you have a problem, you don't figure out how you can come in, see me. I'll tell you about, you know, I'm exaggerating a little bit here, but, what I what I realized is that if I wanted to be a better leader, I needed to be better at helping my team grow. And that it was not, you know, it wasn't about me being a better better leader or having all the answers. It was about, like, can I develop people so they can work more independently? And I could spend more time thinking forward than solving, solving things. So... Uh, and it was pretty ingrained in me. I would say that if you come with a problem, you're going to leave with an answer. And so I told all my staff, I said, whenever I start to solve your problem, I want you to stop me. And in fact, I'm going to be angry if you don't. Because uh, I'll realize at the end of the day that, I, oh, God, so-and-so was in the office. And I, they asked me a question and I didn't ask them what they think. I didn't ask them what they tried. I just gave them to, here, here, go try this. It'll work. And, you know, so as I, said, I was good at managing, so it often, it often did, but in the end, it, it made everybody dependent on, on me and everybody got used to that. Um, so it was very hard to like to change. And I, I don't think I would have, if, if, if staff and people around me didn't stay, stop at so what you asked us to do, stop. I think I got actually very good at that at some point in time, but there was a point in mid career where I was not not there. 
Yeah. And um, this, you know, that that's a really valuable thing that you're saying because, you know, uh, leaders on the flip side of that, where they solve people's problems all the time, you know, it, at first it might be a little ego boost or something like, mm-hmm. oh, I can solve that. I've got the answers. Yeah. That sounds all well and good until you've got more than three projects. Yeah. <laughs> and now you've got people lined up at the door and you can't you can't get yeah. your forward thinking done like you were talking about. And, you know, leaders have often complained to me, like in their coaching sessions, they'll be like, you know, why don't people think the way I think? And I'm like, because you're not teaching them how to do that. Yeah. And what yeah. I'm hearing you say is you would ask them, what do you think we ought to do? You know, what what have you tried? You know, and so you're trying to get them to start connecting new neural passageways right. in their brain um, that right. that mirror what you do by getting them to actually put the idea together themselves. Yeah, and a lot of it's just the confidence. Yeah, that, 100%. You know, that they work it out with you a few times and say, well, I can do this on my own. I don't need to go ask for help every time I have a question or a problem. So. Yeah, and and the other thing about that that's bubbling up for me is is you'll you'll never get to the next level, you know. So if you're if yeah. you know if you don't get the people behind you prepared, that's right? exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really yeah. important, really yeah. important. All right, so I want to ask you uh, one more question here. What okay. what are the biggest challenges that you see that uh, nonprofit leaders and leaders everywhere are facing, and and what advice would you would you give around that particular challenge? I think right now the the organizations that I've talked to in the last couple of years, their biggest challenge is is finding people. Mm-hmm. Uh, people that are, you know, want to be part of that mission, people with the talent and, um, you know, skill sets um, to be part of, to, to make a contribution. Many organizations are not serving as many people as they'd like because they have so many vacancies they're, they're trying to fill. Interesting enough, I did this, I did this workshop for an organization called the World Federation of Youth Clubs. They're sort of clubs that are in other part, other, other countries. So one of the organizations was from Mexico and I asked, and there's some from Europe, some from Africa, some from Central America, South America, uh, one of the organizations from Mexico. And I asked him, you know, how many people are having trouble hiring, finding people? I didn't, I wasn't sure what it was going to be like in some of these other countries. And everybody raised their hand except for the four people from this club in the Monterey Peninsula and in Mexico. And so he says, you're not having any problems? Said, well, we did, but we went, we asked people, we asked people what it would take for them to stay. Uh, we looked at pay, we looked at hours, we looked at bonuses, we looked at, you know, how we can, how we can, people feel more confident, more comfortable there. And we made a whole bunch of changes. And since then we have been able to fill our, you know, keep pe- less people leaving and uh, more. And when people do come, they tend to tend to stay longer. So right now we're, we feel like we've taken steps to, to, to do that. And in some ways, you know, they, they had to reallocate a lot of their, their, their resources more towards some salary maybe that they hadn't before. But like, you know, that's sort of, you know, it's this trade-off. Like, do I hire five people and pay them less and have trouble finding people? Or do I hire three and a half people and pay them more and give them better benefits so that, that they stay longer and in the end, how do I have more impact in the end? And I think their conclusion was we'll have more impact if we can keep people for a longer period of time, if we don't have as many vacancies. 
because you know, vacancies in nonprofits, particularly where you're really serving people and helping people, it's hard to continue. Those relationships get fractured when somebody leaves. So it's, you know, it's such, it sets you back. Yeah. And, and, you know, what you're saying about paying people more, sometimes when I talk to the leaders, you know, I know they're, they're worried about their profit and loss statement. Right. We all know that payroll is the, you know, the biggest line item we have on that yeah. profit and loss statement. But, you know, I often say to them, you know, here's the thing, people who you need to pay more typically, uh, I'll throw that word in there, typically, uh, but some of the people can do the work of two people. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, Ed, didn't you like, you know, the fanatical leader, the people yeah. you're talking about, you yeah. know, um, the people with that passion, they, they will work, you know, I always say like, they work like a dog for you, you know, they'll pull the sled. And um, and sometimes, sometimes you have to consider that, you know, this one does the work of two um, and doesn't complain about it when you give them a right. little something extra. Yeah. They, they feel like it's a privilege to do more, you know? So yeah. you, you got to figure out who your aces are and get them in that seat. Aces in the right places on that bus. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are at the top of the hour and uh, yeah. I know people are like, wait, no. I went by fast. Ed. I know. I love Ed. They're like, we love Ed. And so here, here's, here, and you know, he kind of has that late night DJ voice, doesn't he, everybody? Um, so <laughs> have you been told that one, Ed? You got the late night DJ voice? That's the voice? first time I've heard, I've heard that, but I, I like that. Yeah, good. Um, so, for your evening. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right. So if you were, you were mentioning one little special listener, you know, especially somebody who's sitting there going, oh my gosh, I'm a nonprofit leader. I work inside a nonprofit. One, what's one little last piece of leadership advice or a nugget that you would leave people with? What's your, what's your parting thought? Um, boy, I used up a lot of my good stuff here already. Um, oh, I know you got more. Yeah. 40 years of experience. I would just, Come on. You know, I would just, you know, in, in some ways, it's it sounds like it's oversimplifying things, but I would just say, like, focus on mission. It's got to drive everything. You know, the the reason that I, I stayed at Boys and Girls Clubs was because the, the first club I ever worked at in Philadelphia, when I went there for an interview, I was, like, amazed how people lived the mission. And it talked about it all. It talked about mission, talked about kids, family all the time. And... um you know, it was, I think that's what you, people want to be part of that. Mm -hmm. And it drives, you know, it, it drives you to want to, to do your, to do your best and, and incur and brings other people into the organization. So it's, it's sort of a re sort of a repeat going back to the beginning, but in, in a way it's like, it's the most important thing. It allows you to do everything and it, it, it makes you want to grow and be the best person, best leader that you can be. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, everybody, get your T-shirts printed up. Get them on, everybody, and talk <laughs> it up. That's right? where I should get T-shirts. Fanatical about my mission, right? Right, 100%. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being here. Will you tell everybody how they can find you? Sure. Um, so my website is leadershiptruths.org, um, and uh, you can find my email address on there. It's... Um, and um, that's the best place to to go and connect and find information to get in touch with me. So, okay, and well, it's also 
Oh, yeah. I know they're going to reach out. So it's in the show notes, everybody. And would you, myself and Ed, a favor, would you go down and just click the nice like button, please? Would you just click that? And then would you do me do a real quick thing? Just put one sentence. I thought Ed was blank and put that in there a little comment that'll help Ed and I spread the good news of the five leadership truths for transformation that's what we want to do Ed thank you so much for being on the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast thank you my pleasure thank you Nicole ready to build your vibrant culture bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team conference or organization to help them with her strategies systems and smarts to increase clarity accountability energy and results your organization will get lit from within email Nicole at NicoleGreer.com and be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx talk at NicoleGreer.com